Good morning, everybody. It is always a great, great joy to worship with you. As we get ready to dive into God's word together, let's join our hearts together in prayer. Almighty God, this day may the words of my mouth and the meditations of all of our hearts be pleasing and acceptable in your sight, shaking us to new life in you, O Lord, our rock and our redeemer. Amen. As we get started together this morning, I first want to tell you about my friend Cindy. Cindy used to be part of a church that I was connected with, and in a former life, Cindy had been a nurse. Now, when I met Cindy, she was single, she had no children, and she'd actually been forced into retirement. And I say that because Cindy loved what she did as a nurse until she couldn't do it anymore. And the reason that Cindy couldn't act and live as a nurse anymore is because over the course of her career, she got bulging discs in her back and in her neck. And the pain eventually became so great that she was forced to retire early on disability. And as Cindy would tell me, she would sit at home day after day after day, just dwelling in her own self, her own pain, and thinking day after day of what she could no longer do. Now, I don't have to tell you that is not a recipe for joy, to sit there day after day focused on your own pain and focused on what you are no longer able to do. However, over the course of time, eventually Cindy became connected with our church and something interesting happened in Cindy's life. The Spirit of God, God's Holy Spirit, began to dwell within her and began to stir her heart in new ways. And one of the things that happened for Cindy is that she moved from being an attender to a participant in the church. She moved from being an observer of God's kingdom to joining in the work of the kingdom of God. And for Cindy, what that meant is she increasingly became an advocate for the homebound. She became an advocate for those who in many ways could not stand up for themselves or even take care of themselves the way that they would like. And so on a very regular basis, Cindy started to visit the homebound. She started to help me visit the homebound. She started taking them to doctor's appointments. In every way that she could, she increasingly became their advocate. And she was doing this eventually almost on a full-time basis until finally one day I said to Cindy, Cindy, why are you doing this? Because even though it was almost full-time work and time, she got paid nothing. So Cindy, why are you doing this? And I was thanking her so much for all that she was doing to serve so many. And I'll never forget what she said to me when I asked her that question of why. She looked at me and she said, Pastor Matt, this is how I can serve Jesus. And this is how I can make a difference. And then she said this, Pastor Matt, when I'm helping other people, I'm not focused on my own pain. I'm not focused on my own loss. Instead, my mind is focused on them and making a difference in their life. And therefore, because I'm not focused on my own issues, I literally feel better helping and serving others. What a profound and faithful response on the part of Cindy. So why do I share this story of Cindy with you? Well, today is something that we call and celebrate Freedom Sunday. 
It is a Sunday in which we recognize and partner with an organization called IJM, which is the International Justice Mission. This is a global organization, and it's one that protects the poor from violence throughout the developing world. IJM partners with local authorities to rescue victims from violence, to bring criminals to justice, to restore survivors, and strengthen justice systems. There's a whole lot I could say about IJM, but I'll just share a few of these things with you. First of all, IJM has been recognized as one of 10 different nonprofits making a difference in the world. It's been recognized by the US State Department, uh, the World Economic Forum, leaders around the globe. Uh, there's such a credibility with the work that IJM does. Now I lift this up today and perhaps you're thinking, that's great, that's fine, but what a weird Sunday, what a weird time to bring up the idea of Freedom Sunday and to celebrate with IJM because here we are in the middle of a national pandemic there are a number of crises going on with tensions in race relations and tensions between political parties. Uh, it's fine to talk about IJM, but why are we doing that now when there are so many other crisis points that are going on? And I get it that we can feel overwhelmed and I get it that we might feel like there's so much happening in the world. I can't even give my focus to something like Freedom Sunday and partnering with IJM. So why are we doing it now? Well, as my friend Cindy said, when we quit focusing on our own issues and our own overwhelm, and when we focus on making a difference with others, it has a way of not only helping them, but it takes our focus off of ourselves and lets us live into being part of the kingdom of God in the way that God desires. More than that, as followers of Jesus Christ, we are called to make a difference. And as followers of Jesus Christ, we are called to have the heart of Jesus Christ. This is a chance for the church to be the church. And as God's church, we don't just do it in convenient times, we do it in inconvenient times, and we do it in times of overwhelm, and we do it even in times of pandemic. Because a lot of times, that's when God's heart for the poor and the oppressed, that's when those individuals most need some kind of assistance. Now, I want to be really clear with us here today. I am not suggesting that we become so self-absorbed in our own efforts to help others that it's ultimately still about us. It's not what I'm doing. All I'm doing is making the point that when we do help others, we experience the joy of Christ. And because Christ has a heart for the poor and the oppressed, you and I, as followers of Jesus Christ, we also have a heart for the poor and the oppressed oppressed, not just in convenient times, but again, even in difficult and hard times. As Christ followers, it is our duty and our privilege to help others fight injustice in whatever forms we can. And in the process, ironically, even when it's hard, we experience the joy of Christ. Because again, it's a way to make a difference and it's a way to join with God in bringing heaven to earth. It is a way to foster transformation in Jesus Christ in our world. So it would be my hope today that we can take a bit of a break from thinking about some of the issues that we ourselves might be going through so that in turn we can turn our focus to others who need help, who need assistance in some kind, those who need to experience the justice that only Christ can offer. Now I want to say here at First Church, I am so, so grateful to you. 
Uh, there's something really interesting about First Church, which is this. Most local churches do a pretty good job of focusing on missions across the nation or across the world, but oftentimes do not do a really good job of serving in local mission in their own community. First Church, you are amazing at serving our local neighbors. And I am so grateful for the work that you do, whether it's the Transform Mission Week in the summer, Code Blue in the winter, Fresh Express a couple of times a month where we give food to those in need in our community, first night on Wednesday nights, Monday dinners at the Pajama Factory and Monday evenings, uh, currently the Susquehanna Learning Space. There are so many ways that you serve locally and I wanna say thank you. And there are so many organizations that you support locally, whether that is Dwell Orphan Care, or Shepherd of the Street, or Expectations, or Helping Hand, or Family Promise. There are so many local organizations you support, and again, thank you. But we as the Church of God are called not just to serve locally, we're called to make a difference nationally and even globally. We are called again to be a both and church. We serve locally and globally. We are gathered and sent. And so while it's wonderful to make a local impact, we want to be careful as well to make an impact again at the national and even global level. And when we partner with an organization like IJM, it lets us make a difference around the world. We recognize we cannot make a difference everywhere, but we can make a difference somewhere. And one of the particular places that we're making a difference around the world is in the country of Ghana, in West Africa by partnering with IJM. And one of the concrete issues that we are tackling there is the issue of slavery. It is easy to think that slavery no longer exists in our world because the Civil War has ended or because the 13th Amendment has been passed. Let me say to you very clearly, I wish that were the case. I wish that there was no longer slavery in our world. However, slavery is actually not over. Slavery in many forms continues to run rampant. Here's just a couple things for us to be aware of and to think about today. First of all, over 40 million people are still held in slavery today. Just to put that in perspective, that is roughly the size of the population of the country of Iraq or Poland or Canada. That many individuals are still held in slavery today. Of those slaves, one in four slaves are children. So think of your children, your grandchildren, your nieces, your nephews, other people's children, grandchildren, nieces, nephews, one out of four who are slaves are children. Human trafficking today generates about $150 billion a year. And two thirds of that comes from commercial sexual exploitation of those slaves and oftentimes children. In 2016, a child went missing in India every 12 minutes and 50% of those children have not been found. Slavery, exploitation, abuse, trafficking, they all remain today. And this breaks the heart of God and therefore it should break our heart as Christ followers. Here's the thing, slavery doesn't need to remain. 
we can partner with God and organizations like IJM to make a difference and to break the bonds of slavery. We can partner with God again to bring heaven to earth and seek to eradicate the evil of slavery in our world. We choose to partner with IJM because IJM is the largest international anti-institutional organization for slavery in the world. Their vision is this, to rescue millions, protect half a billion, and make justice for the poor unstoppable. To date, they have rescued over 49,000 individuals from oppression. They work where justice systems are often unable to protect the oppressed from violence. And they work with those local authorities and through their protection right now, it's estimated that 150 million individuals are protected from violence in our world. That is a powerful thing to think about. We partner with IJM as they seek to eradicate slavery and oppression in our world. Now, hopefully that stirs our heart in and of itself, but let's make this even a little bit more personal. Slavery should be deeply personal to every single one of us. Why? Because at one time, each of us were slaves to sin. And it was only through the grace and the sacrifice of Jesus Christ that we have been set free from the slavery of our sin. As Romans chapter 6 reminds us in verses 16, uh, 17 and 18, it says, But thanks be to God that though you used to be slaves to sin, you have come to obey from your heart the pattern of teaching that has now claimed your allegiance. You have been set free from sin and you have become slaves instead to righteousness. The issue of slavery should be personal to us all because were it not for the grace of Jesus Christ, we ourselves today would remain slaves to sin. If you read through the Bible, it quickly becomes apparent that this issue of slavery, the issue of injustice, it is found all throughout scripture as we hear the reflection of God's heart for example, in Psalm 72, we hear this, Endow the king with justice, O God. May he defend the cause of the poor, give deliverance to the needy, and restrain the oppressor. In Jeremiah, we hear this. Jeremiah confronts the kings of Israel and Babylon and says, Because their clothes are soaked with the lifeblood of the innocent poor, and they do not seek justice or defend the cause of the poor, Jeremiah comes to them and says, this has got to stop. Perhaps one of the most powerful passages in all of scripture that speaks of injustice and God's disdain for oppression of the poor is what we've already heard this morning from Isaiah chapter 58. Did you hear it? Again, verses one and two. Now listen to this. It says, shout, a full-throated shout. Now we're always so nice and so polite when we read scripture, but listen to what it says. Shout, shout, a full-throated shout. What is it shouting about? What is the passion about? Hold nothing back, a trumpet blast shout. Tell my people what's wrong with their lives. Face my family, Jacob, with their sins. They're busy, busy, busy at worship, and they love studying all about me. But then you go to verses 8 and 9, and what do we hear? 
This is the kind of fast that I'm after. In other words, God is saying, I don't just want your actions for worship. Don't just study about me all the time. Don't just do acts of worship. He says this, break the chains of injustice. Get rid of exploitation in the workplace. Free the oppressed. Cancel debts. What I'm interested in seeing you do is sharing your food with the hungry. Inviting the homeless poor into your homes, putting clothes on the shivering ill-clad, being available to your own families. Do this and lights will turn on and your lives will turn around at once. Your righteousness will pave your way. The God of glory will secure your passage. And then when you pray, God will answer. Isaiah chapter 58 is a deeply convicting passage, challenging the followers of God at that time. It's calling out the Israelites at first. Here are the Israelites, and what do they do? They're complaining, and they are frustrated that they're not experiencing God the way they want to experience God. Essentially, they're saying, God, we're worshiping you. We're doing worship rituals. We're doing worship acts. So why don't we feel very close to you? Why don't we feel very connected to you? And what God does is God turns the tables on them and he tells them exactly what they're missing. They've been so engaged with the rituals of worship, they've neglected some of the most important practices that are near and dear to God's heart. For example, God redefines for them the kind of fasting that they should be doing. God doesn't want them just to take a spiritual fast in the abstract. God challenges them to take a fast from oppression in their world, to seek out justice and mercy that is essential not only for their own lives, but for the the health and the well-being of those around them. In other words, God says, you can't just focus on your own spiritual nourishment while neglecting the physical needs of those around you. The promise then that God is giving here to the Israelites and giving to us is he's saying, pay attention to justice and mercy. And when you do that, God will then answer your calls. God will hear their cries and use you to respond to their needs. Then they will flourish and you will flourish. In other words, the lack of spiritual devotion by these Israelites leaves them feeling empty, Their lack of devotion to the justice and the mercy and the oppression of those around them leave them feeling distant from God. In a nutshell, we could say it this way. You want to be close to God? You want to experience God up close and personal? Then serve the poor. Help the needy. Rescue the oppressed. Fight in justice. Do that and you will experience powerfully the presence and experience of God. If you want to experience God, love and serve those in need. This concern for the most vulnerable, it doesn't appear just in the Old Testament. It appears in the New Testament. It only intensifies with Jesus himself. Do you remember what Jesus says in the Gospels? In the Gospel of Luke, chapter 4, verse 18, when Jesus is just getting ready to start his public ministry, this is what he says. 
The Spirit of the Lord is on me because he's anointed me to proclaim good news to who? The poor. He has sent me to proclaim freedom for the prisoners and recovery of sight for the blind, to set the oppressed free. Immediately from moment one, publicly we hear from Jesus this concern for the oppressed. We again here at First Church, we are a both and people. We are a people of personal piety and social holiness. We personally accept Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior. We confess with our mouth, we believe in our heart that Christ is Lord. And then we seek to live out that relationship in our world, this saving relationship found in Christ by sharing the love of Christ in tangible ways in our world to help those who are oppressed and to fight injustice wherever we can. In the Old Testament especially, we hear so frequently of God's desire for the oppressed to be set free. And we hear so often of God desiring those who are being oppressed to have love and to be set free and to be lifted up and to no longer to be held down. We see this over and over and over. Remember, it was Moses that God raised up. What did God raise Moses up to do? To free the Israelite people from slavery. Now, unfortunately, once a person or a country gains a sense of power, often they become the oppressors. And so if you look throughout the Old Testament, you see prophet after prophet after prophet being raised up by God to speak to those in power to not hold others in oppression. So you look at Jeremiah, you look at Isaiah, you look at Hosea, you look at Micah, you look at Amos, you get all these prophets and you hear over and over and over again, Quit oppressing, love the most vulnerable, help those in need. Friends, God has spoken throughout the entirety of scripture to the awakening of God's people to fight against injustice. From Genesis to Revelation, God's call to his church, his children, to us as Christ followers, is to rise up against those who would perpetuate violence in our world. You and I are direct heirs to the prophets of God. We are called to be clouds of witnesses, joining with those who have gone before us to fight against the injustices of our world. And that's what today is all about. And we hope and we pray that we may experience together the freedom to live as children of God and to help others to live into freedom in a non-oppressed way. Now, we can talk about this in theory all we want, and I've already done that to some degree. But what are we really saying? What is this really all about? Well, let me make this very specific. Let me make this very concrete. Let me put a face on everything that we're talking about. And I just want to be really careful here. Uh, parents, I, I just want to warn you. I want to be as careful as I can, but this is fairly explicit in nature what I'm about to share with you. So please be aware of that if you're with your children at this time. I want to share with you briefly a story by, about a, a boy named Marco. And here is Marco's story. And again, there's just no easy way to say some of these things. Marco attended school, but he was otherwise not supposed to be leaving his family's compound. There in that small little neighborhood, for a variety of reasons, it became a hotspot for cyber sex trafficking, network producing, often offering shows to pedophiles and predators literally across the world. 
Now, in Marco's case, it was his mom who was the facilitator on the ground. She earned money by offering Marco and his two-year-old sister and their young cousins for online sexual exploitation. Images and videos would be sent to different places around the world, including over 19 different countries. So here was the worst of what the world offers coming into Marco's tiny little home, where he was alone, vulnerable, and unprotected. In February of 2015, authorities got a tip from a British national crime agency. They had uncovered on a, a man's computer various images and were able to trace those images back to Marco's home area. For six months, IJM assisted the National Bureau of Investigation as they tracked various leads and narrowed in on Marco's neighborhood. And on a rainy morning in August of 2015, authorities entered into three homes simultaneously, making arrests, collecting evidence, and rescuing children identified through the images that had been captured. And today, thanks to IJM, Marco and his sister are free and are healing from the trauma they've endured. Hear that, church. Today, they are free from the horrors of that oppression, trafficking, and injustice. Today, while we gather in this time of worship, make no mistake about it, there are thousands of traffickers right now around the world using their power and their influence to keep people enslaved forever, all because slavery is deemed profitable those individuals value money more than human life. And those slave owners are relentless, calculated, and tenacious, unafraid to use their power or influence to oppress others. Therefore, church, we, the church, must be relentless, calculated, and tenacious in our love. We, too, must act. First Church has a deep, deep love of children. And one of the ways we can love children around the world is by partnering with IJM so that children around the world no longer have to be oppressed or trafficked or used only for profit. And you can do that in one of two ways today, very practically. One, we in our second mile giving at First Church give to IJM. Now, normally we do this in March and April, but you can do it anytime. So if you just wanna give extra to First Church and mark down uh, that you want some of that to go to IJM, please feel free to do that and we'll make sure that it gets there. The second thing that you can do is we'll put up a link here and we invite you, if you desire, you can become a freedom partner with IJM where you give a monthly amount and then they will also be contacting you at different times to be particular prayer partners around particular situations that arise. If you desire to do that, we invite you to take that step because today is an opportunity to give voice to those who do not have a voice. Today's a difference not to be quiet, but as the scriptures remind us, to shout, to shout that injustice is not okay. And to say that all should experience the freedom and the life and the abundance and the grace found in Jesus Christ. Today, we have an opportunity to use our power and our love for good. 
that individuals around the world no longer need to be oppressed, but in the love of Jesus Christ, they can be set free. And today we can help make that difference. I wanna say thank you to you, church because thanks to you, an impact is being made. I told you earlier that our work focuses specifically in Ghana and Western Africa. Just so far in 2020, despite the COVID circumstances we're in, 17 suspected perpetrators of trafficking have been stopped. So far just this year, 16 different victims and children have already been rescued. There are goals of at least 10 convictions throughout this year against perpetrators and goals of at least 40 survivors being restored back into community. And we have received notes of thanks for the work that you are allowing to happen. Specifically, I received this word from one of the workers there. Thank you for your support as we confront the challenges of this year. You have helped our team to adapt to new pathways to reduce injustice and offer restoration in ways never before considered possible. Thank you, First Church, for being a church who cares, for a church who wants to fight injustice in our world. As Cindy reminded us earlier, when we seek to serve others, when we have the heart of Christ, there's a joy because we walk with Christ, we're no longer thinking of our own inconveniences and our own pain, but we're partnering with God and what God wants to do in our world. And as Marco reminds us, everybody needs somebody to speak up and fight for them. May we be such a church used by God. As Isaiah chapter 58 reminds us, may we be a church that breaks the chains of injustice. May we get rid of exploitation in the workplace and free the oppressed. May we be used by God to cancel debts and share food with the hungry and invite the homeless poor into our homes and put clothes on the shivering cladless among us. And may we most of all shout, shout in the face of injustice. May we do this for the love found in Jesus Christ and for the transformation of the world. Amen.